This is a special presentation of World Footprints, the leader in socially responsible travel and lifestyle, with your award-winning hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, coming to you live from the city of New Orleans and the French Quarter Festival. And now, from the Hard Rock Cafe, here are Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Guys, here in the background, we have a little music going, so I'm going to give you two guesses to figure out where we are. Uh, grab your bees, your boas, and your go cups, uh, because we're in the liveliest city in the nation, and we're going to party for the next two hours. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into World Footprints, the leading voice in socially responsible travel and lifestyle. We're your host, Tanya Nian Fitzpatrick, and we're joined by our faithful engineer, Ed Cole. And if you didn't guess it, we're in a city that we call home, New Orleans, and we're going to enjoy our fifth anniversary broadcast during French Quarter Festival this year. It's hard to believe it's been five years, five consecutive years of trips to New Orleans for the French Quarter Festival, and we welcome you to New Orleans, and we are broadcasting live from the Hard Rock Cafe right in the heart of the French Quarter, and we're going to share some retrospectives from our previous shows from New Orleans. We'll be playing some of the highlights. Uh, I think most of them are pretty comical in a sense, and uh, just give you a flavor for what's going on here in the French Quarter. So grab your go cup and join us on today's road trip. Our first stop is the French Quarter. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, along with my wife, Tanya Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. Our phone line is open, and so is our chat room, hopefully. And so if you want to share a memory that you have from New Orleans or if you have a question about New Orleans, call us at 914-803-4065. Also, don't forget to connect with us at worldfootprints.com. Well, as we do every year, it's most appropriate to start off our show with Marcy Schramm, the Executive Director of French Quarter Festival. Welcome back, or thank you for having us back. Oh, thank you. We're thrilled you could come. Well, you know, this is one of our favorite places. We consider this home. And, um, you know, every time we come here, Marcy, you have something up your sleeve. You have something new. And I noticed a couple of new things that I wanted to ask you about this year. You have um, an Adopt an Artist program. What's that about? We do. It's um, Well, you know, the festival, it's one of the largest free music festivals in the country. And part of the way we do what we do is the community at large and especially the business community really steps up to help us. And so we've launched a new program where we've asked area businesses and individuals to adopt an artist. And basically um, people are are sponsoring individual artists or groups of artists or big-name acts. And um, so it's, you know, people taking ownership of individual artists at the festival and helping us to offset the costs of, um, you know, what is over 800 musicians this year at the festival. Good grief. Wow. Now, is this a, will this be a year-long program so people can adopt an artist throughout the year? Oh, absolutely. We launched it uh, last fall, and it was amazingly successful. We were a little bit nervous. It was a first-time thing for us, and um, we uh, went over goal a few months ago, and we've it's, so we did well. We're very pleased with it, and we think, you know, with an earlier start this year, it'll be even stronger for next year, which is our 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And um, and you also have a program called Let Them Talk, which I think is very cool for, you know, it gives people an opportunity to get up close and personal with some of their favorite artists. 
It is. It's a new. Um, it's uh, you know I don't want it to sound boring, but it's a new lecture series we're doing down at the the Louisiana State Museum's Old U.S. Mint as part of the festival, and uh, the the series will be called Let Them Talk Conversations on Louisiana Music, and it's two days worth of um, musicians on stage having conversations with each other, performing being interviewed, showing movie clips, and it's real up close and personal with some of our really, really great local musicians and historians and people who are just really fascinating participants in what is the New Orleans music scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the artists out there, I mean, you said you have 800 artists this year, which, you know, I'm trying to visualize seriously because the city has to be packed with a lot of instruments and people and musicians. And so for the budding artist or the interested artist out there, what is the application process for uh, French Quarter Festival? And do you allow artists from outside of New Orleans to participate? Well, that's actually, it's one of the things that makes French Quarter Festival very special is it's a very authentic New Orleans and Louisiana experience. We only, only hire um, local musicians. So bands from outside of Louisiana shouldn't even apply because we only um, produce with our local musicians. And there's so many of them, why wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's this year up to 22 stages of music. There is one very, very small exception to the rule. One of our stages is called the international stage, and that musician that stage is uh, populated by musicians who come from all over the world but who play traditional jazz. So the criteria for them to play is that it has to be traditional jazz, and so there is that one stage amongst the 22 that is not Louisiana music. But aside from that, we keep it very pure, and uh, it's mainly New Orleans artists, but then... Of course, a lot of our Zydeco musicians come from out near Lafayette and some of the outreach, you know, outlying areas. So it's a great mix of, of talent, and God knows New Orleans has so much talent. Yeah, well, the, the, I mean, the state itself is, you know, just rich. Um, now, your kids program, you know, we talk about that every year. It seems like it, it's continuing to grow. And one of the things I haven't asked you is there kind of a babysitting program? So if a parent wants to go out and enjoy, you know, adult music, is there is there somebody on site that uh, would mind their child for an hour or so and, and entertain them with activities? No, I'm sorry to say you've got to hang out with your kids. Sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, <don't>. parents. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a babysitting program. It's such a big festival, and it's... Um, you know, we are we're a real small team that puts this on. It's it's uh just eight staff members who do this and then a lot of, you know, seasonal help we bring in. But we have two really spectacular kids areas. This year we're launching for the first time ever we'll have a second kids area. So up on the beautiful riverfront we've got um a great a kids stage and then lots of activity booths where kids can do things. They can either become a junior ranger with the National Park Service or um, you know, go see Tulane Hospital for Kids and do really healthy, fun activities like hula hooping and, you know, exercise activities and get their faces painted for free. Mm-hmm. And then our new kids area that we're so excited about this year is going to be at one of um, the French Quarter's most gorgeous museums. It's called the Herman Grimma House, and it's a very historic residence that has one of the most beautiful courtyards you've ever seen. It has this giant courtyard full of citrus trees and the original cooking um, buildings from, you know, hundreds of years ago. And so within the courtyard of the Herman Grimma House, we have um, some of the great local museums of New Orleans doing educational activities for kids. So 
I think there's about six or eight museums that will have educational activities. And in addition, the Herma Grimma House will have the kids making things, like they'll be churning butter and, you know, real hands-on fun things that kids get such a kick out of. So it's uh, two very different experiences, but they're in pretty close proximity, so families can enjoy both. And, of course, it's all free and open to the public. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marcy, you know, when you guys put this thing on, you mentioned, you know, you have a very small staff. It's like, you know, 20 Broadway productions in in one location. And so um, some Herculean efforts go into that. And I know you're probably already planning for next year, or, or are you? And if not, when will you start planning for next year? Well, we, you know, we do. It's next year's 30th anniversary, so that's a pretty special year for us. And so there's lots of conversations going on about what we'll do next year. But um, we also produce two other festivals. So once French Quarter Festival is over, then we jump right into our August festival, which is the, you know, the Louis Armstrong Festival, Satchmo Summerfest, which is fantastic, smaller, we call it our boutique festival. And then in, in December, we produce Christmas New Orleans style. So we are busy with some other things during the rest of the year, but, of course, we're always always working on French Quarter Festival. We pretty much get into high gear with French Quarter Festival in September. Mm-hmm. And always looking for volunteers, by the way, too. So anybody out this, there listening, you know, sign up, please. <laughs> well, you know, I love, too, that this, uh, they call it volunteerism. It's becoming bigger and bigger. We have so many volunteers. We have over 2,000 volunteers at festival. And, of course, they're doing everything from serving beers in the beverage booth to, you know, helping out in the information booth. And there's all kinds of acti- fun activities for volunteers. And it's over 2,000 volunteers this year, and so many of them are people who come in for the festival. They, they're tourists, they're visitors, they come in, they enjoy, you know, it's four days of festival, so a lot of them will sign up with their friends and family for a four-hour shift. It's just four hours. Mm-hmm. And then they get a different kind of experience. They're on the other side of the booth, and they're slinging beer, and uh, we, what we do for our volunteers is we give them a really great collectible T-shirt that people collect them, and... Um, we buy them lunch. So it's it's a nice experience, too, for people who like that kind of thing. And I love that it's really growing. We're seeing more and more, lots of people from California, um, different segments of the country coming in and volunteering for the festival, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Our, our moms volunteered one year, and, you know, it had uh, Ian, Ed, and I been uh, volunteers one year. I think I'd have to uh, confess that we'd probably be slinging beers during our shift and, and, and after as well. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. I'm sure that would go on. (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for for spending, uh, you know, precious time with us. I know you you have a lot to do today, and I appreciate you inviting us back year after year, and we look forward to next year for sure. Oh, good. My pleasure. I want to mention, too, that this year... um, we, through uh, one of our really wonderful sponsors, um, Capital One has uh, underwritten the cost of the, the application. So this year we have a free iPhone and a free Android app. And um, even if you can't make it to the festival, you can get the app and you can really learn what this festival is all about. You can see all the music. You can see the complete listing of restaurants and their menus, which are wonderful to read because they're just so delicious with the food they serve out there. All the list of the kids' activities and the special events, and it really helps you get a grasp about, you know, the scope of the festival. So mm-hmm. whether you're here on the ground enjoying the festival or whether you're thinking about coming, you can get that app. Which is available will. at fqfi.org? Well, actually, go to the store. You know, you go to your Android store your, um, okay. or the app store, and it's a free download. You just search for French Quarter Festival, and you can get the app for free. Excellent. Well, thank you, my dear, for uh, for hosting us again this year, and um, we look forward to seeing you throughout the day and certainly for next year. Thank you so much. Have fun. And you have all these hidden treasures like 
the New Orleans African American Museum. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I, I'll tell you, I, you guys have been here. This is your fourth year. Yes. I don't think you've ever seen the same thing twice. Never. I don't think you've been to the same restaurant twice. <laughs> and there's still plenty more that you can see. So there really are so many hidden gems. And John Hankins is just a class act. And, uh, wow, African American Museum. I saw it myself recently for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it was extremely powerful and memorable. And I would definitely recommend that people go and see it while they're here. That was a highlight from last year's French Quarter Festival broadcast where we had Kelly Schultz on, and now Kelly joins us live. We're always happy to be back in New Orleans, and Kelly's going to be with us through the entire show, just sharing insights on New Orleans. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Welcome home, you guys, and happy fifth anniversary. Thank you so much, and we just want to let our callers know that if you want to talk to Kelly about New Orleans, give us a call at 914 803 4065. So, Kel, you um, you know there's you said last year when we met um, for before our fourth an uh, anniversary that uh, we haven't done anything twice. No restaurants, you know, no attractions, and there's always always something going on. And Ian and I were talking on the plane coming down. You know, if we were to do this show every year until we take our last would we have something new to talk about? And we both agreed that we would. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. I mean, there are 1,200, more than 1,200 restaurants open in New Orleans today. So I How many? 1,200. So I live here, and I could not even probably go to every single one <laughs> if I went out to eat every single day of the year. So there's, a, there's definitely lots to do, and it is just, Tanya, the city is on a roll right now. It's just spectacular. Oh, my gosh, and we can feel it. I mean, the energy, you know, we're a little bit biased because this is our, our other home uh, as well. But um, I'm so happy that, that you invited us back again. And oh, we love having you guys, and we love all your listeners. And, and it's great to have another French Quarter Fest underway. <laughs> well, you know, up next, I guess we're going to uh, we're, we're going to look at another treasure right outside of the French Quarter. Indeed, when we come back, we are going to learn about one of those hidden gems here in New Orleans, the New Orleans Museum of Art at the Fifth and the Great. And again, if you have a call, Don't have the time to give back to the community? No time to socialize or network? Then volunteer with OneBrick. Volunteer only when it fits your schedule, and then join us for food, drinks, and great conversation afterwards. It's a great way to meet new people, have fun, and help the community. Join us at www.onebrick.org. That's www.onebrick.org. OneBrick. Volunteering made easy. Folks came to New Orleans looking for traditional New Orleans jazz and were surprised when they got here in the early 60s that there wasn't a dedicated venue where you could go here on a regular basis. Uh, these great musicians performed, people like Sweet Emma Barrett and William Percy Humphrey, Punch Miller, George Lewis. Uh, 
dozens and dozens of people that whose records they had been listening to when they were growing up and came to New Orleans and found this, uh, a very small scene of, of jazz enthusiasts and they started holding these jam sessions at a venue right up the street from where we're talking now and out of those jam sessions grew Preservation Hall. You're listening to World Footprints, exclusive coverage of this year's French Quarter Festival, live from the Big Easy, New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's welcome back your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, live from the Hard Rock Cafe. Hey, friends out there, fellow lovers of New Orleans, welcome back. Of the kids 
explaining what they felt through the artwork. And as you say, very emotional, very touching, very moved. Um, and, you know, everyone sees something different in mm-hmm. these works, absolutely. Grace, one of the things that I took note of with uh, Thornton's work, there was one work, I can't recall the name, but he set it on fire, yeah. which was extraordinary. And just just the patina that it, that it left on that piece was just remarkable. And I've never actually seen a piece of art that was set on fire, literally, to convey the message. He does such innovative stuff. The piece you're talking about uh, refers to when Mercedes-Benz came to Alabama. And it was sort of, uh, I remember when Walmart moved to our garden district, a lot of people were a little bit upset about that, because the French Quarter, you don't see Banana Republic or Gap, you know, in the heart of the quarter. We're very much a mom and pop and uh, not corporate town. And so I felt uh, that what he was saying with that piece was definitely that, you know, we really uh, thank you, but no thank you. We don't need your big industry here. And some of the labels that you will see on the wall, uh, you know, you'd re- you don't traditionally see a painting set on fire. That is not very traditional. And uh, did you see the piece where the goat was strapped to the canvas? This is not something that you normally see, uh, you know, on a canvas or... I know. No matter how raggedly the flag, it's still got to hold us together. How true is that? And that was a piece he was inspired after 9-11. So definitely some tougher subjects that he covers, but things that, you know, we can't just sweep under the rug and not think about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm so glad you guys made the trek out there. And it's not really much of a trek, is it? It's a short jaunt down Esplanade, or you take that Canal Street streetcar, and you're right there in City Park. It's just open, right? And it just opened the streetcar? A few years ago, but it is the newest streetcar, um, and air-conditioned. So even if you're here in the summer, and that's another thing I tell people. If you are in New Orleans in the dead of summer, yeah. the museum is always 68 degrees. <laughs> now, in addition to that great uh, trolley trip uh, to and from the museum, uh-huh. uh, clearly you guys are doing a lot of things to make art accessible in a very diverse city. Talk about some of those initiatives, particularly with the school kids in New Orleans, to get them exposed to art. Sure. You know, we've even changed the name of our education department. It's audience uh, audience engagement and interpretation. So we really want to be all-encompassing. We have a new director uh, over there as well, and immediately Susan Taylor expanded the hours, expanded the programming. Uh, you can come to NOMA every Friday night until 9 o'clock, and we always have music. We have family art-making activities. We're just seeing more and more families, and uh, there are definitely going to be more and more initiatives to come on changes on that front. Another thing, too, that people don't realize, it's not just New Orleans or Louisiana artwork. We definitely have some fabulous museums in the city that speak to that. But you come to NOMA, it's a mini metropolitan museum of art. There's oceanic art, there's Japanese scrolls, there's African. The African art is just amazing. Uh, a huge glass collection. You're going to see French Impressionist paintings. You will uh, find Picasso's Warhols. I mean, there really is something for every age, every case. I'm just fascinated constantly uh, just seeing the different air, uh, variations of age groups and interest groups, and everyone can truly find something in the museum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I understand that, uh, you know, when I was upstairs on the second floor, because I'm an Impressionist, Attic. I, mean, yeah. I had to have my impressionist fix, but there were galleries closed because you're getting ready to open up another exhibit for a very special, iconic. Can you believe it? Leah Chase, thank you, our favorite chef in New Orleans. She is going to make 90 years old next year, and we want to do something to celebrate. Leah's been a long-standing uh, board member. Her son Edgar is very involved at mm-hmm. NOMA, and so we said, Leah, how can we celebrate your 90th year? 
And she was like, good art, good food, and friends. So we are going to have a Leah Chase exhibition. There's uh, paintings that a gentleman, Gustav Blasch, painted of her, 20 mm-hmm. paintings. She's in the kitchen. She's cutting squash. She's washing dishes. These are not glamorous, but it really does elevate kind of the art of cooking to a new art form. And uh, also to that end, it's going to inaugurate a Leah Chase art purchase fund because what re- Leah really wants is, uh, you know, more of the African-American community to be NOMA members. She said that, you know, she wants to have a special fund where NOMA will support and buy African-American art every year. And so it's a special fund dedicated to her. And she and her community will, you know, say which artworks that they would like to see at NOMA. So just another example of engagement. Oh, my goodness. And just kind of different stuff. I mean, who would think that, uh, you know, a museum would be involved so much in culinary stuff? But also Cafe NOMA by Ralph Brennan. Uh, so that's another new initiative that we have. Uh, Ralph Brennan, one of our star, you know, Entrepreneur, restaurateurs of the, the city, family, of course, yeah. of course. So he's uh, he's at Noma uh, cooking up whenever the museum's open. That's the hours of the cafe, and I just love that. You know, you go to the D Day and you see that Besh now has a museum. Um, and you know what? My first job in the city was mm-hmm. to visit every museum and write about it. So it's a great way to see the city. Just like your highlight was talking about the African American Museum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great way to explore the Treme. You know, Sylvester's uh, Backstreet Cultural Museum. Go to John Hankins Museum. There's a great house of dance and feathers in the Lower Ninth Ward. It's just endless, uh, the, the treasures that New Orleans has to yeah. offer. Yeah. I meet people all the time. They say they know New Orleans, but they really just know the French Quarter, and it is the core of the city. But mm-hmm. like you say, just go a little bit outside the city, and you, you're you transformed into another world. A dollar twenty-five will get you, you know, <laughs> on the cable car. Oh, my gosh, it'll take you into a whole other world. Kel, have you been to the um, to the museum? Have you yes, seen this I new have. exhibit? I have not seen the new exhibit, but I've been there many times, and it is just amazing. Oh, my God. You, well, that's a must. For, yes. for you, Missy. Yes. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Missy Gould. It's open till May 20th, so you've still got lots of time. Right. Now, great. Is this, uh, is it part of a traveling exhibit? Will it, yeah. We're, we're going to go to Atlanta next. Okay. So, um, yeah. And it, it went to, I think, Houston, uh, the Indianapolis Museum of Art is the one that organized it. Okay. So, the people in Indianapolis, I mean, their jaws are really on the ground, uh, you know, and, and ours too, but I think in New Orleans that we are used to seeing people working with sound objects and, you know, mm-hmm. having these messages in their mm-hmm. artwork. But Indianapolis, man, I mean, they are just like, what is going on here? So, <laughs> and if you miss the exhibit, there's so many other rich things in the museum to see, yeah. a world collection and always changing stuff on the gallery. Yeah. Well, one of the great things about this show is that we do get callers. We have a caller on the air, a question or a comment for either of our French Quarter guests, sir. Uh-oh. Did we lose him? I think we may have lost him. So I see he's on. Sir, you're on the air. Ah, well, this is Zach Rosenberg calling in for, um, I think you guys wanted to talk with me in a little bit, and I've been listening to the wonderful work about Noma. I actually live around the corner. I'm thrilled about all that's going on there, so... I know, Zach. Isn't City Park just like the comeback story of the whole city, you know? It's amazing. And if you have an eco-travel bug in you, there's Botanical Gardens, City Park, all the oak trees, hanging moss, so lots lots to see and do oh, for the greenies over there. Absolutely. And, uh, Zach, we're, we're, happy to, uh, we're happy to have you on our show. And we'll, we're going to talk a little bit more and for the audience who doesn't know the name Zach Rosenberg. He was uh he and his now fiance, so congratulations. Um Thank you. were uh, first, <laughs> were the first CNN heroes. 
And um, they've uh, moved from Washington, D.C., our home. Uh, Zach is, I think, a recovering attorney like Ian and I are trying to be. And um, they created a wonderful um, nonprofit organization called St. Bernard Project, and uh, and so in just a few minutes, Zach, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you more about that. So stand by. But uh, Grace, you know, thank you so much for for joining us. Well, thank today. you guys for coming to New Orleans. We love having uh, we love having you here. And five years—that's no, that's nothing to sniff at. So oh my like God. Thank you, and you know, I think uh, hopefully it'll go uh, to uh, maybe another three years if God sees fit to give me that much more time or give us that much more time. (laughs) You guys have a happy fest. Well, thank you so much, Grace. And uh, as uh, we have a few more moments here, we're going to talk to Kelly about some of the great initiatives that are taking place in the tourism sector here in New Orleans, and. When we had dinner the other night, we had a wonderful conversation about just some of the things that you were doing here in New Orleans to really boost the French Quarter. And I think that those are some of the great things about this city because you really care about tourism in ways that other places don't. Tell us about what's happening there, Kelly. Well, yeah, there is never a dull moment in New Orleans, I'll tell you. We are just right now, we're preparing for the Super Bowl, which we are going to host in February of 2013. But we have had, 2012 has been, you know, in many ways, many Super Bowls for us because just so far this year, we have hosted the BECS National Championship game. We've hosted the NCAA Men's Final Four, which just ended a couple of weeks ago. We've had... um, the Sugar Bowl here. We had a spectacular Mardi Gras with record crowds. Now we're in the midst of festival season. We're going to have 3,000 sailors here next week for Navy Week and the commemoration of the 200th anniversary of the War of 1812, which Mark will talk about a little bit later. So, you know, we are just doing everything we can to roll out the red carpet for our visitors, whether they're coming for a festival or for one of these major sporting events. Um, the city is looking better than ever, and uh, we just keep on bringing in these big events. So we're excited for Super Bowl and, and doing everything we can to kind of spruce up the French Quarter and, and the surrounding neighborhoods to get ready. And, you know, I don't know what you guys have put in the water, but the seafood here is fantastic. And when we uh, at, were at Commander's Palace last night, we ordered a, uh, you know, I ordered a soft-shell crab. And I'm this thing was huge. Yeah. It was ginormous, but tasty. It, you know, it was um, the largest soft-shell crab we have ever had until last night was on the eastern shore of Maryland, and I thought, and they were so big, I, I wondered if they weren't a little illegally caught <laughs> because they were so huge. But last night, oh, my gosh, and, and a few weeks ago, I was on tour, um, an 1812 tour around Maryland, and the crab cakes that they that they served in Maryland is the crab state. Um, but... We imported, the restaurants imported their crabs from Louisiana, which I thought oh, was wow. really remarkable. Well, you know, we provide most of the seafood in the in the country comes from right here in Louisiana and also the waters of the, the Gulf of Mexico. So it's uh, nothing like getting it here, though, especially at a place like Commander's Palace. Oh, my gosh. And Brennan's. And I know, you know, we just go out down the list of 1,200 I'm still thinking about when we went to dinner at Sweet Olive on Thursday night and we Holy had red cow. velvet ice cream with bacon flavor. Yes, a tribute <laughs> to Elvis. Uh, yes, but uh, that wasn't well, decadent at all. No, 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 and 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 of course, you know, we had our our friends that we sat in. Yes. 
So. Queen Hunt. Yeah, and Queen Kelly, <laughs> the royal staff. Yeah. But uh, that's one of the new properties here in New Orleans, and uh, again, the city's cleaner than it's ever been. It's it's just it's just seemingly getting to a brand new level that a lot of people who probably come in the past would be surprised to see. Absolutely. It keeps getting better and better. And, you know, we're known for our great hospitality, and we love having you guys here and having visitors here. But tourism is big business for us. We take it very seriously. It's a business. It's $5 billion industry. So we are constantly doing everything we can to bring in new attractions, new hotels, make our neighborhoods best. Uh, everything we can do are you planning a vacation a business trip or a honeymoon abroad want to enhance your trip and make a meaningful contribution to the places you visit PackForAPurpose.org can show you how. Before you travel, visit PackForAPurpose.org. It's easy to make a big impact. Join award-winning World Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, director Ken Burns, David Rockefeller Jr., and other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy. Travel with us to unique places around the world, Join us in our efforts to raise awareness about environmental conservation and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Visit our interactive and informative website, worldfootprints.com. I thought I saw James Brown before me. It was so bad. I mean, bad. Well, you know what? And you did a move, and I thought, it hurt me, because I thought, I don't do splits anymore. You know, I'm pretty sure I saw you going down. I still have a few years. I don't know how much. You know, I'm I'm, I'm all right. You're listening to World Footprints, exclusive coverage of this year's French Quarter Festival, live from the Big Easy, New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's welcome back your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, live from the Hard Rock Cafe. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, that was a clip from our 2010 French Quarter Festival broadcast, where we were so fortunate to have Hawkins Dupree Jr., one of the music sensations out of New Orleans, the king of Zydeco music, and uh, we had a fantastic time with him. And Kelly, as we shift gears uh, in into this next segment, uh, we know you've got strong ties to St. Bernard's Parish here in New Orleans. That's your home. And our next guest 
is really on has been on the front lines of helping to rebuild that parish. Uh, uh, we uh, speak of uh, Zach Rosenberg, who's an attorney or formerly practicing attorney, now uh, here in New Orleans, out of the D.C. area. Before that, and. We welcome Zach uh, to our show uh, to learn more about the St. Bernard Project, a nonprofit organization that's helping the citizens of that parish to rebuild their homes and lives. Zach, thank you for joining us today on World Footprints. Ian, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, and welcome back to New Orleans. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I also wanted to mention, too, that you and Liz, I believe Liz, your fiancé, were the very first CNN heroes to be recognized. How did that come about? You know, Liz was nominated after we started working on houses here in St. Bernard, New Orleans, and um, it was really a grassroots of support. So while while Liz was officially the winner, I think people voted for New Orleans, people voted for St. Bernard, people voted for America to be rebuilt, and it just happened to be that we were at the front of that. But I'll tell you, if I've seen anything over the last six years. It's that America is truly committed to rebuilding New Orleans. We, we need it. There's a ton of work left to do, but it's really been beautiful to see this way this country, rather than being decisive, rally around itself. It's been a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Now, Zach, um, is going through your, your profile uh, yesterday on the website, and you and Liz talked about, or on your website, you talked about um, you know just the emotional overload in, in some ways that you guys felt during you know after your volunteer project you came down here to volunteer I think you were here a month or so but it was you know there's an emotional connection that had developed and, and really impacted you uh, with regards to you know your interactions with some of the residents talk about this first few weeks that that you were in the area after Katrina Sure. Liz and I first came down in February 2006, so it's six months after the storm. And what we thought about America was just, um, we were totally disabused of. We thought, you know, New Orleans is an important part of America's future and past. A third of the country's oil goes through here. We didn't think that six months after a natural disaster, the lucky people would be in FEMA trailers. People would be sleeping in attics, cars, garages. There were still families who owned homes back then who were living in tents. And it, it just blew us away. I mean, we were grossly unprepared for what we saw. And um, when we first got down here, there wasn't rebuilding. There was barely any gutting. What we did was we cooked for folks. There was this one United Way-funded organization in St. Bernard Parish that cooked for people of St. Bernard, a lower ninth ward. Back then, six months after the storm, there were no grocery stores, there were no restaurants open, nowhere to buy food. And so folks had two options. If they were going to stay in their community, they could either go to the Blackwater security-run FEMA tent, which wasn't terribly warm and didn't treat them like citizens, or they went to this United Way uh, sponsored place called Emergency Communities. And that's where we were. We slept in tents. We woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning and cooked for folks. But after we cooked, we'd have meals with the residents. And um, we saw the toll of delay. We saw the pride that people had in this community. We learned what family really means. You know, folks think New Orleans Mm -hmm. about the partying and about the food and about what happens in New Orleans, stays in New Orleans. 
what New Orleans is really about is about family. And Liz right. and I felt to treat the folks in New Orleans the way we'd want our own family to be treated, and that meant we had to get people back as soon as possible. Now, Zach, I understand to date the St. Bernard Project has built over 400 homes in St. Bernard's Parish with 37,000 volunteers. Talk about that effort and uh, give us some really concrete examples of how this effort is making a difference in the lives of people in the parish. Sure. And um, just to be clear, and maybe our website doesn't do a good job of this, we we operate in both St. Bernard and Orleans Parish. Uh, okay. In both we started in St. Bernard where before the storm there were 27,000 homes. Every single home was flooded. Uh, and so there was just massive, massive devastation. We now have over 430 homes done. We're doing about 30 at a time. But what I've got to tell you is the waiting list is colossal. We have 130 clients on our waiting list. These are all people who own homes, can't afford to rebuild them because of contractor fraud, because their money ran out, they never had enough funds in the first place. And again, remember, these were people who owned homes. And then we get another 10-plus requests for help and for service every week. So despite the amount of time that's gone on, the, the needs are tremendous. And these... You know, our clients are hardworking folks. They're clients like Miss Teresa. I don't want to say her last name on the radio, um, but she worked. She was a, a school bus driver. Uh, she was able to buy a house and raise her two kids. When the storm happens, oops! I would think we lost that. Yes, we did. We're going to try to reconnect with him, but. Uh, Kelly, let's let's talk to you about St. Bernard Parish. Uh, you, you've shared your story with us before, but for those who haven't heard it, talk about that because when Katrina came, you weren't here. You were in right. Dallas, as I as I recall. But that was a life changing event yes. for you and your family. Yes, my family. I was born and raised in St. Bernard Parish, and and after. Um, college I moved away to Dallas and I was living in Dallas when Katrina happened and I had an opportunity to come back home after Katrina to work in the tourism industry and, and I felt like that was my way of helping the city rebuild and I'll tell you the folks at the St. Bernard Project are Zach and Liz and the team that they have built have helped so many families you know we're sitting here in the beautiful French Quarter and it, it's hard it's you know easy to um, forget sometimes that there are still families in those outlying neighborhoods who do need help rebuilding. So they have just done an unbelievable job and helped so many families. My family had volunteers come and, and help them in their rebuilding effort, and it, it's so meaningful. And for those people that are looking to, you know, you talk about leaving a positive footprint, I can't right. think of a better thing to do than when you take a trip down to New Orleans, look into these groups like St. Bernard Project and many others, you know, so many volunteers come here and, and incorporate into their vacation time or their business travel volunteering and giving back and, and going into a house and maybe helping paint a wall or lay down floors or do anything you can do. And that makes those families one step closer mm -hmm. to getting home. And, and speaking of which, when we have Zach back, um, that's a you know, good segue into my question about volunteering. Um, Zach, we talk a lot and we encourage our audience members to give back in meaningful ways. And and so talk us through the um, the process for volunteering and some of the logistical 
things that um, need to be considered. Did we lose Zach again? I I think we did lose him again. We're just okay. having some technical issues. But uh, again, Kelly, these oh, volunteer e efforts in St. St. Bernard Parish have uh, really had an impact, and I think we do have Zach back. Zach, are you with us there? I am here. I apologize. Okay. I wish I was there, okay. but I am still here. <laughs> you know, just it's 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 uh, technology, but. Uh, so, so Zach, what I was asking about was, you know, we talk about a lot about uh, volunteerism, volunteering, giving back to communities uh, that people travel to. Um, talk, take us through what the volunteer volunteer process is for St. Bernard Project, because you've had over 37,000 volunteers to date. Um, how is that managed, and what are some of the things that volunteers or people listening who are interested in volunteering should consider, um, logistical things like travel, um, you know, uh, accommodations, et cetera? Sure. Wonderful. So three key points. First of all, anybody can do it from high school kids the Fortune 50 CEOs to, and this is the way I kind of show anyone can do it, nuns. Once a year we have what we call nuns build, where we have 100 Catholic sisters from all around the country who come to New Orleans to build houses. Uh, so first of all, anyone can do the work. Second, there's always enough time, uh, whether it's wonderful corporations like Toyota or UPS, uh, Entergy or Cisco, who when they have a, a conference, either take a day from the conference, spend half a day, come a day early, come a day late, uh, to lend a hand. Uh, third, the, the work that people are doing, is I guess there's four points, is uh, it's pretty fun <laughs> and pretty powerful where everything is very well supervised. We never have more than 14 people on a job site. Uh, all the tools and supplies are there. And, and the neat thing, kind of unlike being a lawyer, at the end of the day you can see the impact of what you've done. So for me, when I was in D.C., you know, I worked awfully hard for my clients, but the judge could screw it up or the jury could or anything could happen. Rebuilding houses, you work for, for eight hours, and then at the end of the day, a wall is up and no one can take that away. A specific mm -hmm. American system has a floor. They now have kitchen cabinets, and uh, it, it's beautiful. And in terms of how to sign up, it's, we have a very turnkey approach. Just like Kelly was saying that CB. Oh. <laughs> did we lose Zach again? I think we did. Okay. I think Zach was going to mention that we have a, this New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau. My my company has a great relationship with St. Bernard Project. So um, people can actually go to our website and take a look at all the volunteer opportunities that exist with St. Bernard Project or um, any of the many organizations in New Orleans that have really um, devoted themselves to helping families get back home and, and rebuild the community in those ways that still exist, even even six years later beyond Katrina, almost wow. seven years now. And, and so on your website, Kelly, you have a link to different volunteer-type uh, organizations or nonprofit organizations seeking We volunteers. do. And we'll, we can link from your website, I'm sure, but yeah. we have a, a section called Volunteerism, and it's... Uh, 
it's really taken off, as Marcy was saying earlier. So many people come here, and it is so moving. Mm-hmm. And another interesting thing about the St. Bernard Project is that their model has been so successful. Mm-hmm. They are now taking it to other cities that have experienced disaster. Joplin, Missouri, for example, that had those terrible tornadoes. Yeah. They had a group in from Joplin recently, and I had an opportunity to meet with some of them. They came to New Orleans to volunteer mm-hmm. with St. Bernard Project, but also to learn, how did you guys do it? You know, when you had this huge challenge in front of you, what did you do? How did you build coalitions? How did you get groups together and really get this massive volunteer organization off the ground? So, again, leaving positive footprints, you know, other Are you struggling to make ends meet? Would you like to live debt-free? You can do this by owning your own cloud-based business. Now, starting a business can be thousands of dollars or more, but this business is free, 100% digital, 100% global, and four out of five people don't have it, so your market potential is unlimited. You can make thousands of dollars a month every month working from home. All the details are available for free. Just go to moneyfromthecloud.com. That's moneyfromthecloud.com. Take control of your life by taking action now. So many places around the world that you go and you just enjoy yourself, but there's nothing in the world that touches me like home. Charmaine yeah. Neville is an activist, an educator, <laughs> and she's fine. <laughs> oh, 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 and he's and just he sweet. is smooth. Okay. He, he is, is smooth. And And married. <laughs> and she's fine. Let's move on, baby. Let's not get into the marriage. Let's move on. Let's talk about some other things you can get when you come to New Orleans, baby. We're a free society, baby. You're listening to World Footprint, exclusive coverage of this year's French Quarter Festival, live from the Big Easy, New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's welcome back your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, live from the Hard Rock Cafe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. That was a clip from our 2009 broadcast uh, with Irvin Mayfield Jr. and Charmaine Neville, two music-like legends in, uh, in the city. And uh, we're so happy to uh, to welcome you back. You know, uh, among all of the accolades New Orleans uh, has received, it's also becoming known as Hollywood South. And the film industry is thriving here. And as you're here from our next guest, Katie Williams, from the New Orleans Film Office, um, New Orleans is really, really picking it up. A lot of people might be surprised to hear that New Orleans has become a hub for uh, the film industry, and we're pleased to welcome Katie Williams, Director of Film New Orleans, with us to explain why this phenomena. Welcome, Katie. Hi, thanks for having me. Why has New Orleans become such a hub for film activity? I mean, I think ultimately the reason why Louisiana has been so successful with the film industry goes all the way back to 2002. Um, In that year, the state of Louisiana instituted a tax credit program. So the state of Louisiana offers a 30%
credit to any Louisiana expenditure for the making of a motion picture in the state. On top of that, they also offer a 5% credit for any Louisiana local um, talent or crew hire. So at the end of the day, productions that choose Louisiana, and of course New Orleans being included in that, receive 35 cents back on the dollar for every dollar they spend in the state. Mm. So you can imagine for productions looking to make their budget or make their budget go further, it's an incredible opportunity for them and, and obviously for us as well. I think New Orleans also, or the area, the state of Louisiana as a whole, offers a lot of diverse natural settings. There's just a lot of uh, a lot of diversity, I think, within the, the locations themselves. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, especially with the New Orleans region, region in particular, you obviously have the downtown urban dense um, locations that can, can cheat for New York, for Boston, for Detroit, as well as the small town looks, suburban looks. And then further out, maybe 20 miles from the downtown area, you have the swamp and some, um, some actual beach looks you know, on the lake. So really, ultimately, when a production comes to us, oftentimes, if we don't have it here in the region, we definitely can accommodate them in the state. Mm-hmm. So you do find a lot of productions that will shoot um, partially here in New Orleans and partially in, let's say, Baton Rouge. Um, a good uh, a good example of that is we um, shared a production called The Host, which is Stephanie Meyer, the author of Twilight's next, um, her, her, her follow-up book from that series. Um, they did a lot of their stage work in Baton Rouge and then some of their location work here in, the, in New Orleans. And, and these are both feature film and television productions, and Treme may come to mind uh, for, for some. But I also know that you're wrapping currently with a an untitled Tom Cruise film. That's another project that we're also sharing with Baton Rouge. Um, he, they are doing about three weeks, two and a half weeks worth of production work here in New Orleans with the remainder of the work being in Baton Rouge. I happen to be a member of Women in Film in Video in D.C., and and so I'm always interested in casting notices and calls for crews and and, and what have you, and your website offers kind of a comprehensive uh, view of those types of um, opportunities. That's the goal. We we, we work really hard on the website and keep it up to date so that it is a, a great resource for the local community as well as productions that are considering New Orleans for their shooting location. So would the, the casting notices be applicable or be relevant to people who are outside of the area as well? It depends. Um, as I mentioned earlier, with the additional 5% credit, Productions are really incentivized to hire Louisiana residents for crew um, and often for their um, casting purposes. And so, um, obviously, those those casting calls that are go nationwide often, and, and in that case, they're definitely looking for that. But oftentimes, as I said, they're really hoping to concentrate locally because they get more, you know, more bang out of the incentive that way. And what about animated features? I know a couple of years ago, Disney was there and they used Leah Chase, who we've had the pleasure of having on our show, as a, a consultant. But filming may or may not take place on site. So for an animator, are there also film credits available to them or tax credits available to them as well? There is. The way the credit works is any production that makes the minimum threshold which is $300,000, qualifies for the credit. I don't believe Princess and the Frog spent enough money in the state of Louisiana to qualify for that credit. I believe most of the animation and the the work was done out of state. Mm-hmm. 
so while we were the the topic and the, the kind of the focus of the of the film, it wasn't one that was done here in Louisiana. Do you have studio sets in New Orleans? That's something that we um, in D.C. with our film community uh, kind of struggle with the lack of those types of resources. Do you have sufficient yeah. resources there? We are definitely, um, and have really started out to, as a location heavy. Um, production hub, but in the last, I would say, maybe three years, we've seen production space come online. We have Second Line Stages, which was the first built-for production studio space in the city. Um, It's three stages, green rooms, office space, all of that. It's a a full production center, and as well as the NIM Center, which has been home for the Imagination Movers while they were in production for those those years. Um, So it's a little bit of a smaller um, stage space. And then we just recently opened um, Big Easy Studios, which is actually out at the NASA facility, Mishu in New Orleans East. So they've repurposed those high, clear-span warehouse spaces that in the past have built rocket boosters for the NASA program into stage spaces, which is, I think, a really great story. And then obviously you have um, makeshift warehouse spaces all over the city that have been um, quick to accommodate film production. So what are some of the productions you have coming up that you're excited about? Well, currently we have the Quentin Tarantino film, The Django Unchained, currently in production in the city. I think that's a, a great project and one that we're really proud to host, as well as Ender's Game, which I think you mentioned, which is actually out at the NASA facility in the East, um, filming majority of their work on stage. Um, there's a project called um, well, as you mentioned, Treme is, is finishing in their third season currently, mm-hmm. and, and really various other projects. We're just now getting the projects that are going to be starting up in the summer confirmed. So, um, as those will be, uh, you know, coming on the website soon. Is there a film that uh, that you guys have hosted, a production that you've hosted that really surprised you? I mean, do you have a favorite, and is there is there one that was just uh, very extravagant and surprised you, and you know, and in the end product. I can't really say I have a favorite. I am extremely excited about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. That was a project when it came um, across into the office. This, this, the script title alone was a little um, confusing. I was like, really, Abraham Lincoln and vampires? But once I got a look <laughs> at the script and really saw what they wanted to do, um, it, was, it, it turned out amazing. And you know, New Orleans and its historic. Um, nature is a great location for a period piece like that, but I think you'll find that the the film turned out beautifully. And um, between the art director and the director and the and the crew and talent, I think it's going to be a good hit, a great hit for New Orleans. So, when somebody presents a script to you to the office, do you go through a vetting process? Any production that feels that New Orleans and Louisiana is a good fit, you know, we welcome them. There's not really any um, vetting or choosing of which projects, you know. Film here, mm-hmm. we everyone. Uh, Lincoln and the Vampires that hasn't been released yet, has it? It comes out June twenty second. Ooh, okay. And I'll be back in New Orleans for a Festigals conference down there, so have to go see that one. Are you doing a a a, a, a um, red carpet event or anything of that sort? Oh, I, it's not something that the, the city ever puts on. It's always something that's done by the production company. Um, I haven't heard word of that yet, but. Usually, it's something that comes our way, you know, a few weeks before the event. 
Well, I look forward to seeing that um, either way. So Katie Williams is the director of Film New Orleans. Thank you so much, Katie, for welcoming us back to your fair city, which is a city that we consider our second home. Great. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like more of Facebook Radio, including our World Prince Cup report of the latest breaking travel news, visit us at worldfootprints.com. And while there, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick, and we'll see you on here again very, very soon. So stay tuned, and until then, let's three times full and enjoy the first five at least positive footprints at a time.